Words from the Hills, reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to the Hills Church. So the Lord this morning, I believe, would have all of us to start to search inside of our hearts the things that he has called us to do. And in this next season, when we are going to fast, what I heard that Lord is saying is that don't be asking me for a new word because I've already given you a word. Well, at least that was my experience with God. I remember in 2019 at this very, um, it was like a very, it was like a crossroads of my life. I was making a lot of decisions um, as it concerned my life. And um, I was asking God every day, Lord, show me, show me what you have me do. Tell me what you want me to do. And he told me one day, just get up from that place. What am I telling you that I've not told you before? I was like, what is this now? So God is not very, um, he doesn't pet me. Do you understand? He sorts me out, but he doesn't pet me. He's like, you know, he, he deals with us in the language that we will understand. Because I know they hear words sometimes. <laughs> so he doesn't play around with me like that. He doesn't allow me to get into all that foolishness and pity party that. So he said to me, just get up, get up, get up. He said, oh, all the things that I told you before, what did you do with them? Have you been a custodian of the words that I gave to you? He said, for you to go, very clear, told me, for you to go forward, you're going to go backwards. I was like, okay. So I started to search my memory, my archives, all of the things that God has said to me from all the years past. And all the ideas started to come back again. And all the information, and all the knowledge, and all the teachings, every single thing that God had ever shown me in my life, came back and was staring me in the face so now the problem became oh you were asking for more when you had not even done anything with this ones you know the story of the talents what happened to the man who did nothing who took it and buried it under the ground he said you wicked okay so this morning um most of our reading will be from the book of esther so just go to esther we're going to start with verse two and I'm going to quickly read through all the places just to set the background and then we'll take it from there. So you know the story of Esther, everybody knows it. But the first thing I want to say is the mission of service today. And so let's start. So at the beginning, you know what happened? King, uh, I can never pronounce that name well. Ahasuerus. Eh? Ahasuerus? Ahasuerus. Thank you very much. King Ahasuerus had done this great feast, dancing and merriment in the palace. And after seven days drunk, inebriated and completely messed up, now tells them to bring his beautiful wife Vashti to come and parade herself before his men. And the woman said no. Now I have a different theory on that story, but that's not for today. That's not for today. I'll, another day I will talk about what I feel about that situation. Okay. So they, they pursue this woman anyway. And then in comes, go to verse 2. So chapter 2, sorry. So Esther 2, 2. See if you can put a lot of the scriptures up at the same time so that we can run it through. Um, together. So Esther 2.2. 2. If not, I'll just start reading from my Bible. And if you have it in your, just, I mean, everyone has a Bible on their phone, so just, you can go to that. So I'm just going to read. I'm not reading everything, just a few key places. He said to them, let's, in verse 2, he said, the king's servants who attended to him said, let beautiful young virgins be sought for the king, and let the king appoint officers in all the provinces of his kingdom, that they may gather all the beautiful young virgins to, to, to Sushan, the citadel, into the women's quarter under the custody of Higai, the king's eunuch. So they went recruiting all the women. I call it capturing all the women who were in that you know, kingdom, because I don't believe that all of the women would have been willing to be taken to go and be prepared 
to possibly be chosen by the king. I believe that some of the women there would have had their own life's ambition, the things that they had wanted to do, their own aspirations. Maybe there was one young man in the kingdom that they were eyeing, and hoping that the guy would say, hi, hi, baby. Do you understand? Next thing, they captured them and took them to the king's palace. And then in Esther 3, he then appoints um, Haman, the son of Hamedatha, the Agagite, okay? Um, and then where the problem starts is that Haggai now realizes that Mordecai will not bow or pay homage to him. So Mordecai was one of those people who had been taken away um, during the reign of King Nebuchadnezzar and taken to the king's palace. Um, and then they said to him, why do you transgress the king's command? Um, they spoke to him daily about it, trying to change his mind to come and worship the king and do as they wanted. And he said, no, he wasn't going to do that. And so in Esther 3, 5, when Haman saw that Mordecai did not bow or pay him homage, he was filled with wrath. And then he disdained to lay his hands on Mordecai alone, for they had told him about the people of Mordecai. So instead of Haman said to destroy, so instead Haman said to destroy all the Jews who were throughout the whole kingdom of Ahasuerus, the people of Mordecai. And so the very fact that there's a calling upon your life and a assignment that you have is enough to put your family and all the people around you in trouble. Your obedience to God's call is enough to put the people around you and all of your family and everybody that you love into trouble. These are the kind of times that we live in, and I'm coming to that. And then go to 4. Go to Esther 4. When Mordecai learned all that had happened, he tore his clothes, went out, and um, went everywhere, told everyone. The kings, they told Esther what had happened, and... Um, he gave a copy of the written decree for their destruction, evidence to her, look, see what's about to happen, explained it to her and commanded her to go into the king to make supplication to him. Now remember that Esther had been prepared, taken into the palace, and she was the king's favorite, right? So she had, you know, the king's ear and she had the king's love and affection. And I believe that he would have wanted to do anything for her. So she spoke to him and said, I'll come back to that. So let's go to my slides. So we live in times and seasons where all the systems around us are broken down. Who agrees? Every single thing. Political system in shambles. Elections are coming up. We've already seen the names that are giving us what? Palpitations. But the truth is that nature abhors a vacuum. And so if a man who has been called into a position does not arise to take up his position, somebody else will take it. So you know when you say, oh, what's this person talking about? I know more than them. The reason why they have a platform and you don't is because you have not a reason. Because when you arise and take up that space, suddenly the message that they have becomes insignificant because there's a bigger authority. There's somebody who has a clearer word, a clearer message, a more impactful message as it concerns that. But because nothing has to be left in the gap, they'll keep speaking until you arise. And so we're seeing all these things. Our educational system is in shambles. Absolute shambles. Sometimes I hear the school fees of children in um, public schools, and maybe five children, the entire school fees is 65,000 naira. 65,000 naira. And so my brain is thinking 65K for five children's school fees is what? 13,000 naira per head. How much are the teachers paid? 
How many students are in the school? How much are the teachers paid? What possible transformation can happen in a school like that? What possible training and education can the children possibly be getting? Because you can't give what you don't have, right? If the teachers are not being trained, they're not being paid well, how can they give? How can they pour into these children? And so already, these children are already set up for failure from day one. Because whether or not you like it, there are two ways to success in this life in this earth system is that you are an academic genius or you are an entrepreneur one of the two that's a way to come out of poverty but once you follow that trajectory of poor school poor family disadvantaged 10 20 30 years from now a child that was a living in squalor in a in a fishing village in where where are the fishing villages in lagos i don't know okoko michael sorry that's not a fishing village okoko makoko thank you Five generations down the line, you will still see them living in Makoko because one person has not done what a reason to pull that entire family out of poverty. You talk about the workplaces, a lot of discrimination, a lot of sexual harassment that women are not able to speak about because when you look at it, you say, if my director is the one that is sexually harassing me, who do I report my director to? And maybe your director, you know, there's something that he taught me very early in my career, that there's the CEO sometimes, but there's a chief decision maker that is not the CEO. Who knows that? There's someone that has the voice of the king that just goes and whispers one small word inside the ear of the CEO. He's making a decision and you think he made that decision. No. No, he's not the one that made that decision. So don't ever confuse the two. Don't ever say, oh, the CEO might not be the chief decision maker. Have you ever gone to a king to tell them? And when I mean a king, I mean a king as in a leader in a particular sphere. I remember one time in my career, I went to someone that was a chief operating officer and was supposed to be like an ebon to me. And I said, see, see the situation I have. Now, because I'm in HR, he said to me, if you are in HR and can you sort yourself out, then I don't know what to do to help you. That was when I just realized that, Omo, you're on your own. No? Do you understand? Because if the king could not help me, then it was only Jesus that could help me. And in that situation, guess what I did? I, was not, I didn't have time for that. I just resigned. I was gone. One week later, I resigned. I was gone. He came back and said, I don't understand. I hear you resign. I said, yes. He said, you have a new job. I said, no. He said, why? I said, personal reasons. Because was I going to start reiterating to him what he just said to me? That he couldn't help me. Do you understand? That is how organizations are. So people are drowning under the weight of such wickedness, not in his own case, generally, wickedness is in organizations, but because of the economic situation that bills to be paid, you stay. You don't have a choice. You want to walk away, but you don't have the liberty to do that. When you think of the family you're taking care of, the families you're taking care of, the fees that you're paying, the house rent, hospital bills, all of those things, and even you surviving, you stay and you are drowning under the weight of that oppression and wickedness. Depression sets in, you're happy, you're cranky, which is just the enemy's plan. Because what he's after is to make sure that that calling and that assignment that you truly have, you are so useless, you're never able to arise into it because you cannot do, you cannot give what you don't have. And so those, that is the world that we live in at this particular time. But God is saying that... You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you will show forth the praises of him who had called you out of dark darkness into his marvelous light. And so this is not that I will do. 
It says he has what? Called you. Means it's already done. With God, many of us are living in the, we're living in the, what's the word? We're living in the, in the now and in the past when God is already in the future of our lives. This morning, God is inviting us to step into the future of our lives because he's done it already. And so, Esther, her name was actually Hadassai. She was a very disadvantaged woman. She was sold as a slave. She was captured, sold as a slave. She probably lost her parents in the war because it was counted that she was an orphan. We don't know when she lost her parents. So Mordecai, who was her uncle, was the one that was taking care of her. And let me tell you the truth, whether or not you like it, once it's not your parents, it's never really the same. Who agrees? It's never quite the same. She was disadvantaged. She must have lived in poverty and obscurity. She must have been disadvantaged. She must have not been able to go to school or do all of the things that... Maybe in her little mind, she would have aspired to do. Even if she had stretched her imagination, I promise you, Esther could not have imagined, or Hadassah would not have imagined that one day she would be Esther. I don't think so. Except she was a prophetic woman that God showed dreams and visions about her life. But let me tell you something. Even when God has shown you dreams and visions about your life, do you know that sometimes it's so big, your mind cannot comprehend it. You'll be like, no, how, me, from where, where will we start from? You say, you know what, this thing is not for me. Maybe it's for somebody in my family that God is showing me. There is nothing in your background that suggests that any of these things can ever happen. Absolutely nothing. Who feels that way? Or am I alone? I remember last week, Pastor Heidi, when Pastor Moses said we should pray. Um, so Pastor Heidi said to me, um, after the prayer, she tapped me and she said, she had a message and I said, okay, what's the message? She said, God said to tell you that you're not ordinary and you need to stop, stop acting like you're ordinary. And I said to her, thank you. Thank you so much. She said, I'm telling you the truth. You're not ordinary. God said to tell you that. You should stop acting like you're ordinary. So during the week, um, or the next day, I sent her a message and I said, thank you for that word. Not for my word, the, the message she shared. It was such a powerful message. I think we all need to go back and listen to it again. It was so stirring. So I said to her, Pastor Heidi, thank you for that message. It was so good. And she said to me, I'm telling you again that God said to tell you, you're not ordinary. So at that point, I said to her, hmm, Pastor Heidi, thank you for this message. Yo. But I'm telling you the truth. I don't know what to do with this information that you've just given me. Yes. I don't know what to do with it. Like, I really don't know what to do with it. So my mind at that moment can, could not see past what I'm doing now. Do you understand where I'm coming from? I would say, ah, okay, I'm obeying past words. I'm doing ministry. I'm still doing my work. I'm doing my business. I'm doing my coaching. I'm a mother. I'm a wife. I'm sure trying. Abby, I think I'm trying. I've not slept for 48 hours. My son has an allergy and he's been awake for 48 hours. So I'll tell myself this morning, ah, you're still standing here preaching. I've tried. <laughs> Do you understand? <laughs> so someone is now telling me, you're not ordinary. You need to stop operating. I, said, I don't know. I told that Pastor Heidi, I thank you for this message. But I truly don't know what to do with that piece of information. She now said to me, you go back and go and pray. And ask God to show you the blueprint. And so many of us would be like that. There's no way Hadassah could have imagined that one day she would be Queen Esther that would be bringing liberation to her people. 
She was catapulted into national relevance. She had to learn a new posture, a new culture, a new language, a new way of behaving, a new way of engaging. Don't forget that this is a young girl that would have battled with identity crisis, who had lost her parents and now in a place where she's being raised and taken to go and be groomed for a man to choose her as his wife or as his queen. But do you know that she wasn't just a queen. She was a hidden weapon of war. Because what God was trying to do was to make sure that he not only brought liberation to his people, but he wanted to make sure that this thing was engraved in time so that me and you, in the day when we have to contend against the battles of our generation, we will have a reference point. We will look at our little selves and say, do you know what? I can arise from a place of obscurity. I can be more than they've said I will be. I can be the liberator. I can be the next governor of my state. I can be the one who decides that I'm going to take down corporate organizations. I would arise to the height of my leadership in that place. And I will institute a reign of justice and peace and fairness and equity regardless. I would decide that I'm not going to be little. That even if it's five people that I have influence over... I will make sure that those five people are the best of the best of the best because I'm a general in the Lord's army and I carry the power of God inside of me. Therefore, I'm a city set on a hill, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. I'm a person set apart. I am extraordinary. So she was a prototype for ascension into position. And so if you ever find yourself doubting, how do I come from this little place that I am? Not the right family, not the right accent, the wrong color, the wrong country. Someone once said the worst thing that can happen. You see, um, when Mordecai came and said to Esther that told everything that happened, there are many reasons why Esther would say, please, be gone. I have done the work that God has called me to do. I was called to be a queen. That is my assignment in life, and I'm now a queen. So many of us, right, we, when we are rising in our, state, in our status, when we are rising in wealth or influence, we think that that is the reason why we have reason. Forgetting that that is just a positioning for a real assignment that is required from all of us. And so when we come into a place of wealth and we say, this was what was on my goals and I've attained it, I've done well, not realizing that all you've only done is shifted into the positioning of your assignment, then we do an injustice, not just to the kingdom of God, but to the nations, the communities, the families that are called to that gift and that talent that is deposited inside of us. And so many of us are looking at the spoils of war as the destination, not realizing that that ascension into her position as the queen was actually what? The start of her assignment. And so there is an assignment for each and every one of us. I don't care what they've told you. I was discussing with a friend of mine and she said she has friends that say that they are called to be wives. And that's their calling. So they are very good wives and very good mothers. And that that's their calling. That she does not agree with me that everybody has a big assignment. So I said to her, your problem is the definition of big. 
Your problem is your definition of big. Big does not mean that you have to stand on a pulpit with a mic or speak to 1,000 people or be a governor or be a president or whatever. That's not what big is. Big is that the person, that one person that God called to you, you hold that person's hand and walk that journey with them all the way until the very end, until they get to the place of liberation. Because the whole agenda of God is restoration of the earth. I've come to bring the good news to the poor, to tell prisoners that they are prisoners no more, to tell the blind that they can see, to set the captives free, to heal the broken hearted, to bring back the kingdom of justice and peace. Do you understand? So for some of us, it will be one person that we are called to. And that one person becomes a trigger that activates five then 5, 50, 100, 1,000, whatever. But we are called to one. For some of us, we are called to many, many, 5,000, 5 million. For some of us, it's, it's not something that would ever be visible to other eyes. Maybe God has called you to be an intercessor where he keeps you in a place of prayer and fasting continuously until his decree is established upon the land. Do you know that there are people who are called to do that? They are walking in their calling. They might never hold a mic. They might never preach a sermon. They might never give a speech. They might never be on any flyer anywhere. But are they doing their assignment? They are. On this assignment, on this journey, the Lord will send helpers. You know, Pastor Idi was speaking last week and said, um, don't ever think that you are alone. That anything that you are battling with, everybody or somebody else that you rate very highly is also battling with that thing. If you're in a season where you cannot pray, somebody else is struggling with that. I remember one day a few weeks ago when we did a prayer, um, we, there was a call for those who wanted prayers to come forth. And I think for about maybe 10 people. Every single one of those 10 people had the same problem. Every single one of those 10, it was the exact same problem. Because I was saying to them, what do you want us to pray for? What do you want me to pray for you about? I want to be specific. Every single one of them. So that was a reminder that, you see, this thing that you're dealing with, you are not alone. And I was actually dealing with that particular thing at that point in time. So wasn't it ironic that God then sent them to me to pray for them? Because in doing that, it broke. Something broke through. Because I had to step outside of myself. Do you understand? So when I was done, I was crying from the weight and the burden of walking that journey with them. Knowing exactly how they were feeling. So I want to remind you that you're not going to be alone. Don't ever think you're supposed to do it all alone. Don't ever think you're supposed to have the entire answers. Who are you? How? All the people that have built anything great, institutions, governments, they are surrounded by the best of the best of the best minds. Um, I'm from Anambra State, right? Strong state. <laughs> One day I said to someone that I have, I have aspirations to run for political office. He looked at me and said, great. That's very good. I, I like people like you. More of you need to step out. He said, what state are you from? I said, Anambra. He said, good. May the Lord be with you. <laughs> so, Saludo, the former CBN governor, won the election. And they published the list of his transition team. All the big weights. Do you think he cannot, you think he's not a smart man? 
He's going to the best of the best schools in the world, sat at tables that many of us would never dream of, run CBN for years and ran it successfully to the best of my memory. But what's he doing? He has gone into the land to look for what? The best of the best that will help him to transition into this government. And so when you say that I'm a self-made man, I have done it by myself. I've always helped myself in this life. Nobody has ever helped me. Best of the best and told her exactly what to do to come into the king's favor. And so when we think that we are too smart, no one can tell us anything. There's, there's, um, there's, um, um, there's this um, thing in Igbo. They call, um, they say, Eze Onye Aguanam. It means the king who cannot be told. That you are a person who is not subject to anybody's counsel, anybody's advice. You are a lord unto yourself. You always know it all. You have to have the last word on everything. You have to have it. If they talk about politics, it's only you. They talk about fashion, it's still you. They talk about economics, it's still you. They talk about what is only you. Only you. You are not able to accept the help because of pride and arrogance and conceited behavior so that it is not said that anybody else will take some of that glory. Does it take away from you? And so God is saying to us that in this next season, we need to be looking around us and some of the people that we have shunned and said, we don't need them. We need to go back and ask for their forgiveness. Go back and submit ourselves to them. Go back and say, keep me accountable. Go back and say, I need your help. Go back and say, I don't even know how I need your help. But I just know that God has called you to me. I need your help. For God will send you helpers in this season. But you're not going to just step in automatically. There's a preparation that is required from every single one of us. When Esther, before she went into the palace, she spent a whole year. A whole year of teaching, learning, unlearning. Being told, being counseled, being advised, probably being shouted on sometimes. This thing you're doing is not going to help you. I've told you. You don't want to hear a word. Someday she'll cry. Or some other day she'll be obedient. There is a preparation that is required for each and every one of us to step into our calling. So don't think that you're just going to sit there and one day somebody will just hand it to you. You have to not just be willing, but you have to be willing to go on the journey of preparation that is required. And for each and every one of us, it will be completely different. For some people, God will ask you to go back to school and start all over again. Forget everything that you knew before. For some people, God will ask you to take time off work, one year, two years. For some people, God will ask you to go back to work. For some people, God will ask you to shut down that business completely. For some people, God will ask you to start, start five businesses. Because guess what? Four will fail. You will learn the lessons from the four that failed. You will take the lessons from the four that failed. Carry it into one that will now succeed and become a main contract. You just to go to Asso Rock and hang around the corridors. Any idea what you must enter. <laughs> Do you understand? <laughs> Yeah? Mm. <laughs> but all of that, all of that, see, I did, um, in my career, I worked for four startups. I think all four, yeah, I, did all four of, I think all four of them failed. Yeah. 
But guess what? Today I teach people about entrepreneurship. And I'm able to teach them because I've seen the mistakes. That men that were smart, hot, had all the right connections, money, network, everything. And you on the outside, it's easy to sit and just see. You could see, like almost see the mistake happening. Do you understand? But because they don't hear, because that they're that easy, eh? that nobody can tell something. When you are telling them, they'll say, there's information that is not available to you. Do you understand? So don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. You just focus on your focus. Oh, this conversation is above your pay grade. Meanwhile, the Lord whispered it to you in a dream, at night, in a vision, because you carry the prophetic inside of you. But you cannot say to them, thus says the Lord, if you do this thing, we will lose money. But guess what? The time is coming when we'll be able to say that. Who agrees with me? Yes. The time is coming. A time is coming. In fact, it's, it's here. It's here already. And discerning men are starting to draw those people around them. Because they will see that over time, this thing that this person says, checks out. It's not going to come by fossil. It's not going to come by how loud your voice is. It's not going to come by how big your suit is. It's a quiet whisper that every single time that they follow it, they will see results. After a while, they will say, have we asked Kiki her opinion? Meanwhile, Kiki is not the GM. It's not the manager. Maybe Kiki is just the officer. But somebody will say, ask Kiki's opinion. And someone wonder how? Say, just go and ask Kiki's opinion. Because they have identified that Kiki carries something that is not of this earthly realm. She's getting a download. They might never be able to give that glory and honor to God to say that this is the prophetic operating. But they know. And they know. And they know. Because guess what? Everybody was made in the image and likeness of God. Therefore, we all carry the nature of God inside of those, even those that have not given their life to Christ. Once you understand that, then you will know that you should not be uncomfortable around people speaking about the things of God. Do you understand, Kiki? So when they ask your opinion, open your mouth and speak. But for you to do that, you have to have been in the place of consecration and prayer so that God has told you specifically what he will have you do. Listen, in the middle of meetings, I'm praying. I'm praying, oh. You guys, I'm praying. Under my breath. Because I'm hearing things that is making my head burst. And in my nature, I'm very quiet, but I'm very confrontational. If you know my mother, you understand. My mother at 16 was running the Biafra, the food camps in the, during the Biafra war. Do you understand? So she's, her family is stoic and strong. There's no faffing around. That was how I was raised. No faffing around. Like, we had no, I don't know how to explain it. I used to say to people that I didn't need to get into trouble. Not because I was a good, good girl. The fear of what will happen keeps you out of trouble. So you can't even relate to that slap. Because they're not born you well to even do the thing that will make them to slap you. Do you understand? You know, some people will say, ah, when my mother slaps you, your brain will reset. There was no need for resetting because you're not even bold enough to do the thing that will make them slap you. That's the second level. Do you know? That was the level my mother used to operate on. There's no need for I. I for what? Your mind can't even conceive the advance. <laughs> but... So I will hear things, but I'm quiet. I'm very quiet at work. I will hear things and my head is spinning. 
Like, I'm like, are you guys joking? I work in the energy sector, so there's always a lot of money at stake. Everything lasts as always has to do, all has to do with money. My head will be spinning. I want to say no, 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 we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. Why? How? But again, I'm in HR. So I'm constrained in my mode of engagement. Because I cannot be seen to be a looter like that. Even though I am. Do you understand? So I have to start praying. Kalusi Shandari Balusi. I'm like, God, 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 help me, help me, help me. Because if I see what's on my mind now, I say, God, help me. Then quietly, sometimes fear and trepidation as the meeting is going on, I'll be hearing specific instructions, specific words, specific arrangement of the words. You know that? You can say the same thing in five different ways. Specific arrangement of the words. Specific, and I'll be saying it. Then you'll be seeing people who are wicked pharaohs. Their hearts will be melting. Their hearts will be melting. Eh, okay. Um, okay, okay. So Uche said, um, just like Uche said, okay, you know what? Until we land where are the... Because guess what? My calling is not a HR person. What's a HR person? It's a thankless job. My calling is to be a liberator of people. I said under my watch, I will not let injustice happen. I don't have to like you as a person. We don't have to be friends. I don't have to invite you to my home. But I will not sit there and hear that someone is about to do an injustice to Mary. And I heard it. And because the person is who, I'll be silent. It's not going to happen. I'm going to your office. I will sit down and have a conversation with you. I'll say, but I hear you. Yeah, that's so true. I'll even give you five stories. i say, but you know, if that's what it takes. For, for some, I will shout. For some, I'll tell you it's not happening. Straight up. It depends on the instruction. Do you understand? And so there's a preparation that is required. But for you to be able to arise into that assignment you cannot just go in ordinary so god is going to call us to a time of prayer fasting consecration the word studying following people sitting by the feet of people hearing checking for examples gathering knowledge you're not just just going to jump up and say oh that's what got joseph into trouble he had a dream i just said to his brothers i say you guys are gonna bow down to me and they sold him (laughs) state <laughs> and we saw how long he suffered and he suffered before he got to that place he could have just done what mm. and just be saying I know something you don't know <laughs> quietly until that day but no he ran ahead of himself do you understand please some of us you need to stop that thing that you're doing the time is not now it's not now. God has said to me that I'm going to be a... Da, 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 da. Don't. You're going to stir up unnecessary envy. You're going to stir up Haman's ahead of their time. Before you are prepared. So stop. Calm down. And go back to God in prayer. But then there's always a reward in God. That's one thing I know. That for every calling, there's always a reward. So don't ever think that after God has called me and used me to do all of those things, I will get nothing out of it. There's always a reward in God. So let's go to the next slide. And so, 
Esther had an excuse. You know the story that um, when they said, go and call, I've set a, a banquet, go and call all the people, call the, you know, invite everybody into this banquet. There's a song, um, it's, um, I don't even know the song. Um, I cannot come to the banquet, don't trouble me now. I have married a wife, I have bought me a cow, I have fields and commitments that cost a pretty sum. Pray hold me, excuse, I cannot come. Esther was in that choir. <laughs> she was. She said, the king has not summoned me in, how long did she say? 30 days or however long. She said, the king has not summoned me. And you know we cannot come into the king's presence except he calls for us. So Esther was still dealing with an identity crisis because this was someone that was said of her that the king favored her above every other maiden. But she didn't understand that. Am I afraid to walk into my husband's presence? No. I know how he feels about me. When he sees me, he's confused. <laughs> Do you understand? Even after 12 years. So if I want something, I don't even need to meander. I just come and say, hi, babe, what's up? It's what I say, what? What do you want? <laughs> I tell him, straight up. I don't need to do all that manipulation. And... Why? I understand my identity. Do you understand? I know how he feels about me. Many of us, we don't know how God feels about us. I wish that you would open your eyes this morning. Just close your eyes for a second. I just, I want God to show you how he feels about you. I won't go to see, to show you that every time he looks over you, that even in the midst of your sin, even in the midst of your transgressions and iniquities, he's still saying, I love you regardless. Don't worry about the judgment of the world, the judgment of people. Get up from your bed of iniquity. I'm waiting for you. My entire assignment, my entire reason for sending my son was to bring restoration back to you. So I don't care. That you've compromised. While it grieves me, I love you regardless. So I want you to get up. Forgive yourself for I have forgiven you already. Many of us need to come into that place. And the knowledge that, love, the, of, that God has for you. The knowledge of the love that God has for you. For when you do, you no longer let the judgment of man sit over you. So it's not to say, however, that man cannot bring a reprimand to you. I told Pastor Heidi something I did two weeks ago. And she told me, you will go back and go and apologize. I said, I will do nothing of the sort. She said, but why did I ask you about it? I didn't know the situation. And I came specifically after service and asked you. She said, that means the Lord was sending me to ask you about this. So go back and apologize. And so, man, the people that God has sent to us, the helpers I spoke about earlier, we can still be accountable to them, right? Even when they bring judgment over us. But we don't let you do what? That you escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance would arise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. Yet, who knows whether you have, been, you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. So Mordecai was not playing with her. He was bringing rebuke to her. He was telling her, please note, Esther, whether you do it or whether you don't, as surely as there's a God, 
liberation must come to our people liberation must come to nigeria a new president will arise in this nation new leadership will be instituted justice will prevail in this nation injustice will be a thing of the past wickedness will stop ritual killings will stop there will be a people whose hearts are truly after god the body of christ will arise there'll be men and women who are god chasers i will bring restoration back to this nation the earth of nigeria will yield fruits to its citizens it will be fruitful so whether or not you do it whether or not you partake, if you like Jackpa, if you like, stay here. I will do it. So it is on you to get up and be part of this assignment. Because I will do it. And guess what? Maybe you and your people will die if you don't partake of it. Because you have been called for such a time as this. There are people who carry influence inside of them. They are able to electrify a place with their words they are able to bring conviction into the hearts of people do you know that we are now coming into the seasons where people are no longer taking bag of rice for their votes who knows that it happened where in Bielsa it happened in Anambra it happened in Kanu do you see what God is doing do you know that maybe it was one ordinary person who gathered a group of men and women in a room and said to them, why are you operating the Belay economy? Why? How long will that bag of rice last? Then when it's finished, you're going to suffer for four years because you sold your bet right. Are you aware that the grassroots, most of them have their, BVC, their BVCs. During elections, my, my, my domestic staff, I engage them on, on the whole. They know more about it than me. It's a scary thought. So if they have the wrong information, and go and go and make the wrong decision let's assume that the votes truly count and they are operating on the basis of information that is available to them do you understand we have left our destiny in the hands of these people who we call disadvantaged do you understand so maybe it's one man maybe it's one girl who sat and spoke to them and said do you know don't do this don't do this can't you see a pattern See what has happened over the last 20 years of our state. See what is going on. Can we try something different this time around? Then they galvanize themselves and say, okay. And those women eh, are very powerful. Though. Those market associations, they will find you. Eh? Not just fine. They will not attend your daughter's wedding. They will not attend burial. They will not, as in, you'll be an outcast if you dare to defy what they have already said. They are king makers. They are called what Ialojas in, 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 in. They are kingmakers. Those women, strong, mighty. So maybe you're called to market women. You will say, no, I'm thinking we'll set up, you know, backdrops, balloons, nice speakers. We just have a guest speaker. You know, I'd rather sing. That Idera Hall is really good. You can sit like 200 people, you know. Just imagine it would be colorful, old women be nicely dressed. Most of the people there would be, you know, working executives, you know, so they can understand what I'm trying to say. Meanwhile, God called you to the market women to go and stir something in their hearts to bring a change. But because we are operating in our flesh, we will choose what is convenient to us. I remember one time I said in a church, I signed up to go and work with the prostitutes. 
said, please, I want to go and walk with the prostitutes. They carried me and gave me one front-facing department like this. Of course, I failed at it now. Why? It was not the assignment. So I had no interest and no passion and no desire. So even when they say she failed at it, do you think I cared? No. Because I knew I was supposed to work with those prostitutes in that season. Do you understand? Please don't let anybody send you on an assignment that God did not send you. Please don't let anybody look at you, judge you based on your physical appearance and send you on a journey that God did not send you on. The things that are visible are temporal. But the things that are not visible are eternal. Your outward container is not your calling or your assignment. It is not. The fact that you look a certain way does not mean you are called to people that look that way. Can we step out outside of our carnality? Can we step outside of our the world systems and, and the, the structures that have been laid down that have kept our minds so captive? Can we dare to challenge the status quo in this next season of our life? Can you look somebody in the face and say, no, that is not my assignment. Guess what? I might not know my assignment, but I know that this one is not my assignment. I'm still trying to uncover what God asked me to do or how he wants me to do it. But you see, this one you're telling me to do. I know and I know and I know that is not my assignment. And I don't want to do it so that I do not dispense of my energy and become broken before the time of my arising has come. So, thank you, but no thanks. Can we be bold enough to say that? But in this instance, Esther had an excuse. And Mordecai told her, no problem, you will choose what will happen. The Lord will still bring this redemption, but you will choose which side of history you're going to sit on. And that was the very first time in Esther's life. The very first time in Esther's life that Esther arose and made a choice for herself. Up until that moment, everything had been what she was told to do. What she was asked to do. Her uncle told her to do this, she did. She went to the palace, um, to the, um, the Haggai, they told her to do that, she followed the instruction. She went to the king only when he asked her to. No volition, of, for, the, for the first time, that was the moment that she realized, this is my assignment, this is my calling, this is the time of my arising. See, there's going to be a Kairos moment. The moment when the full realization of what we have been called to do comes. And when that moment comes, may our tongues not be tied. May we have the boldness and the courage to stand up and say today is the day. Regardless of your position in the family. Regardless of what you are dealing with. And so when someone says to you, who gave you the audacity to speak about this thing? You that are still struggling with this, you tell them, leave that one. That's for me and God to work out. But today, this is the moment that I've been called for. And what usually happens is that if you miss that moment... If you miss that defining moment of your assignment, the journey to finding it back is very difficult. But through God's love and mercy, for those of us who may have missed this, I'm praying that the Lord will call us back again, will give us a second chance again. And forgive our ignorance. Forgive us for having an excuse on the day that the Lord called us. And so Esther was a weapon of war. You see, when you're going into war, there are four dimensions. There's the political. You see, um, Haman could have just killed 
Mordecai, or sorry, had Mordecai reported be done with him. But he was, he understood that this was very political. This was not just about this man. This was about this man and his people. So can I use this one transaction and take them all out? And that was what became his undoing. And so he started to strategize. How am I going to do this? How am I going to get this done? How am I going to get rid of him? And then you go into the tactical phase where you are thinking, what weapons am I going to use? I'm going to bring accusation against him. I'm going to set up a gallows so that they will impale him on it. I'm going to try and cajole him to do this, knowing very well that he's not going to, so that I have enough case and evidence against him. Do you know that even now, even as you're not operating your calling, somebody is somewhere gathering evidence against you for the day that you dare to rear your head. So every time you bring your head above the water, boom, they'll slap you down. They'll remind you of that thing that you did five years ago. Or the enemy will whisper in your ear and say, shh, so that they will not remember. Bring your head down. Shh. And then you then go into the operational phase of battle. And so, but the truth is that no matter the plans of the enemy and the machinations against us, Deuteronomy says that for the Lord your God is the one who goes out with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you victory. Which is why we will not engage without God in this next season. We cannot, we cannot, we cannot, we cannot. It's a season where we lay aside our own intellect. We lay aside everything that we know. And we go back to the feet of Jesus and say, what would you have me do? And how would you have me do it? Because there is always a Haman waiting. Once there's a calling and an assignment on your life, there is always a Haman. A Haman represents a system of injustice. A Haman represents lies. A Haman represents that person that is jealous. That person that is a voice of dissent. Foul spirits. People that lie against you. People that have a book where they've recorded all the things that you've ever done wrong. People who are always critical of you. Look at you. Everything is perfect. That one thing that you are still working out in the place of prayer, they will hold it and magnify it. Put it on a big screen for all to see. That is who Haman is. Always around you whispering your inadequacies to you, your insecurities to you. Always remind you of why you are not, of why you are not good enough. Why are you trying to do this? Not for people like you. Not for people like you. You don't have what it takes. Their entire assignment is to derail you. Sometimes there are people that love you. Do you know? And that's the scary part. The enemy within. Sometimes it is you and your own life's experiences. So Father Lord, this morning, I pray that the shackles of past experiences, that you break the hold he has over anybody under the sound of my voice, oh God. I pray that anything that we may have done in our past, oh God, whether knowingly or knowingly, that has kept us in a place, oh God, where there's a human spirit that is standing over us, not allowing us to arise into our calling and assignment. Oh Lord, I ask that this morning, that liberation is coming to your people, oh God. I ask that there's a turn around oh God I ask that you are washing us white oh God that though our sins be as red as scarlet you will make us as white as snow to the glory of your name in the mighty name of Jesus there is always a Haman there's always someone who wants your head on a spike there's always someone who wants to bring you down there's always someone who will not sleep at night because of your ascension even when it does not affect them, there is always a Haman. Please don't think that everybody loves you. 
I'm not saying go around being suspicious of people around you. But I want you to be aware that there's a contention for the purpose of your life. There's a contention for your assignment. There's a contention for your call. There's a contention for your destiny. And once you have that at the back of your mind, when you see those things coming, you know them for what they are. And you are able to stand against it in the place of prayer or calling a friend and saying, I need your help. Come and help me. I can't do this on my own. Those that are against me are too many. And then the Lord will remind you. But I am for you. And because of you, you will have victory. Because I've called you and chosen you as a prophet to the nation. There is always a Haman. And so, in this season, I pray that the Lord will open our eyes. And not our physical eyes. The eyes of our vision to see the people that are the Hamans around us. And I don't want you to look at Haman as just a person. Like I said, Haman is a concept. It's inside of us sometimes. It's people, it's situations, it's circumstances. Tear down all the Hamans around you in this season. So that you will have the liberty to truly go into the place of your calling and your assignment. Tear them down. They serve no purpose. Do not build an idol over them. Do not magnify them. Don't make them bigger than they are. Don't get into the place of a pity party. Getting people to feel sorry for you because somebody is judging you. Because somebody is standing against you. Have the boldness to stare down the Haman and say, Thus far will you come. Today, if you cross this line, I will kill you. Do you know there are people in your life you need to tell that? I remember one time I walked into an office. There was this man, I just started the job. Very wicked, very troublesome. Everybody was afraid of him. He will lie against people. He will bring, destroy. I mean like knockheads, lie with, just a wicked soul. They warned me about him on my first day. And I just simply said, as long as he stays in his lane, and I stay in my lane, we'll be alright. Fourth day on the job. This man tried me. This was a construction site. So, me, I came with my long hair, you know. <laughs> and, uh, you know, just, you know now, find your moves. <laughs> so, they underestimated that. Then, he cast it down to on a project that we were working on, on my first week at work. <laughs> Are you crazy? Do you know what that means? That's my KP already being filled now from day one. So I went to him quietly and I said, hi, mister. Hey. I said, sorry, you. my face was very low like this one. I said, sorry, I just wanted to ask you, why, why did you change this work rotation without consultation and engagement or even HR input? You just went on site and told them that that's it. He looked at me like, who is this one? Don't forget it was my first week at work home. And I was small, smaller. This was years ago. I've, in the last few years, I've come up in life. I was slim, skinny, small. He looked at me like, ah, they've not told her about me. No, really, he looked at me like, with this thunder and bullying eyes and intimidation, and said, you're asking me that question. What kind of question is that? I said, yes, I'm asking you. At this point, I said, yes, I'm asking you. I'm just trying to understand why you did what you did he started raising his voice eh? I went from zero to hundred in a heartbeat I saw him start to like this I said listen 
my voice was loud, loud. All the shh, 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 I was doing. And the way our offices were arranged there, they were porter cabins. So we were standing in the middle. Doors now started opening. So I deliberately elevated my voice, like shouting. I said, listen to me. I am talking to you. Me, I was now doing like this. <laughs> I said, all of us came here to do a job. You will do yours in peace. I will do mine in peace. Don't ever, ever again make any changes without running it by me. I said so. The man was looking at me. You know, eh, there's a way you tackle someone eh, that is bigger than you. Eh? It will shock her. It shock her. Exactly. Abi, it shock you. Shock her. He never experienced. Never. I did it deliberately. As doors were opening, people were opening doors and coming to look to see what was going on. I turned and I said, it's okay. <laughs> Everything's okay. <laughs> but I was sending a message, not just to him. Do you understand? In that one transaction, I sent a message to everybody. Don't try me. Don't try it. I will not have it. He was stuttering. He didn't know what to say. He was just stuttering. His voice came down. And then he turned and he left. So I turned and went to my office. Till the day I left that job, when he sees me, me tell him, do you understand? So there are people you need to stare down. There are humans you need to stare in the face and tell them if you try it again, if you stand between me and my assignment and my calling, the Lord will, will bring judgment upon your head. And you know that the Lord's judgment, you know how it is. Don't forget that it's, it's the same as the lamb, but it's still the lion, isn't it? Uh-huh. Don't you ever forget that. Because there will always be a Haman. So I want you in this season, when we go into this next week of fasting, you're going to be asking God to unveil the Haman's to you. Unveil everything that is a Haman situation in your life that you can tackle it once and for all. For you do not need any obstructions and distractions on the next journey and the next assignment that you're going into. An assignment, when people say, what am I called to do? It's very simple. Be fruitful. Anything that God has given to your hands to do, make sure you are fruitful in it. How do you stay fruitful? Stay rooted in God. Increase in number. Fill the earth. Subdue it. Rule over the heads of the beds of it in the sky. Over every living creature. Dominate. Subdue. It's time for us to advance. It's time for us to be. It's time for us to do. This playing small. God is not is not impressed by it anymore. This false sense of humility and modesty, it doesn't serve any purpose to the body of Christ. I don't like to talk a lot, but guess what? I realize that it doesn't serve any purpose if I know a truth and I keep it inside of my heart and maybe tell just my sisters and my friends. It doesn't serve any purpose if I'm not able to bring it to a place, to an audience where many people can hear it and be transformed in their mind, in their thinking, where I can activate them to the place where they can do and be more than they think that they are. It serves no purpose if I know a thing and I do not communicate it. And so I've learned to step outside of my true nature to be and to do all that God has called me to do. Do you understand? In this season, God is calling many of us to step out. Pastor Heidi told us last week to come out of hiding. Come out of hiding. Who are we leaving the work for to do? It can be done by a few people alone. See, um, this, the teachers, eh, the junior church teachers, 
they never come to sit inside of church because there's only two of them is it fair we sit here sunday after sunday after sunday hearing all these words we're not even doing anything with the word these women would like to also be able to come here and join us but why are they not able to because nobody else has stepped up to say i will help out in junior church meanwhile you have a way with children meanwhile you're the favorite auntie in your home or the favorite uncle in your family you have a way with children you know how to get them to do the right thing you know the songs you know how to make them happy and laugh and dance but no you think it's too small and too little you're waiting for pastor moses to hand you the mic do you know that pastor isi when she started ministry in nigeria yeah after she had finished university she was working with the teenagers nobody ever saw her nobody knew her Pimori, that was her first assignment three years three years pastor isi was teaching the teenagers three years nobody saw her on any sunday nobody knew her nobody nobody only those that maybe were in the leadership council knew her nobody knew her do you understand but from the outbacks do you understand where i'm coming from so let's stop looking at assignments as small in this next season god is calling us to be relevant and have information available um some of the areas that are pushing and advancing right now that many of us need to infiltrate we 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 need to go and lead and we need to go and read artificial intelligence the metaverse people are talking about it and we're going to come and join late cryptocurrency is a thing i know people that have become billionaires maybe not okay yeah. if, if they're millionaires in dollars they are billionaires in naira yeah exactly two million dollars is, is what takes you into billionaire status in nigeria exactly there are people who have made people that i know personally that have made three five million dollars on crypto they bought what they call the shit coin and the shit coin went from 0 0.001 and it's still at 0 0.5 now or maybe one point something and they've made a lot of money we're sitting on the outside of it digital economy is rising everything that we know in the physical realm is moving into the digital space the knowledge industry is valued at 325 billion dollars in the coming year which means that that thing that you called nothing i know how to cook people are paying people to teach them how to cook people are paying people to teach them how to run their homes people are paying people to teach them how to dress nice like zek people are paying people for eloquence people are paying people to teach them how to do slides people are paying for the weirdest things ever we live in the knowledge economy so that information that you have that knowledge that you have that you have disdained and called little can be what can take you into billionaire status but you've decided you're waiting for that high intelligence something that's um you know now very complex thing meanwhile the things of god are very simple he always says what do you have what do you have bring it Stories of women that have made, taking their families out of poverty from selling Akara. Women who are selling um, by the roadside in Balogun market and all their children have schooled in universities abroad. Just from sheer diligence, 365 days a year, they are standing there. They will say, Ajo, they will put their money inside. They will gather it. Do you understand where I'm coming from? It's not the time that we disdain the little things that God has given to us. 
the world will talk about sustainable development goals as though it's a thing that they coined. But there's nothing inside the SDG goals that does not come from instruction from God. It says no poverty. What did Jesus do with the miracle of five loaves and two fishes? What did he do? People were hungry. He brought multiple. It wasn't that he was trying, he wasn't trying to be a magician. He just wanted to feed hungry people. Do you understand? Good health, well-being, quality education, you know, gender equality, clean water, all of these things. These are areas that each and every one of us can go into in spite of the work that we are doing, our jobs. And pick an area and say, this area, I will fix it. In my small community, on my street, in my local government, I will fix it. Who are we waiting for to do it? The government that quite frankly doesn't really care about you? But if each one, you know the whole story of Nehemiah, they were not worried about fixing the entire corridor. Each man, do what? Fix your own fence. So don't say, I don't know where to start from, it's overwhelming. Maybe you're not the one called to be the Messiah for the whole nation. But what about your, your house? What about on your street? You do that. What about you take all the people that work for you, pay their children's school fees? Can I challenge someone to do that this year? All the people that work for you, your driver, chef, your as, as, as assistant, all the people that are disadvantaged around you, gather their school fees, you'll be shocked. It's not a lot. Last year, I paid eight, eight people's school fees that were not family members. The eight of them did not reach 200,000 naira. Do you understand? Sacrifice something. Sacrifice something. When we, talking, when we talk about restoring the kingdom of God, it's not by just prayer and fasting. You know? If you like, pray and fast from here. The scriptures, the word of the Lord says that if you have not love in your heart, that you're like a what? And how do you show love? Whatsoever you do to the least of my brothers, that you do unto me. Simple. The things of God are simple. Very simple. And so, my final words. There's a man called Jeremy Gottsche. I like to listen to him a lot because he stays at the center of trends and innovations. So he's probably a man who carries the gift of prophetic but does not realize it because maybe he does not identify as a Christian. But every time, the things that he predicts, right, from information, historical data, analysis, he gathers it all together. And he will say 100 trends in the year, 100 products that will do well, new ventures, whatever. And many of them always end up becoming a thing. Maybe not in that year, but in the coming years. Because he does a lot of deep dive research, uses big data to pull all of that data. And he says that disrupt or be disrupted. See, if you sit, just like Mordecai said to Esther, if you do not arise today in this place of your calling, God will still do what he will do, but you and your family will die. So in this season, I'm asking you to disrupt or be disrupted. No, this is no longer time to be silent at meetings. This is no longer time to keep quiet when there's something that you know and you ought to speak out against it and you're silent. This is no longer the time where you are coding and hiding for myself, me and my family. This is not the time. God is going to make a demand for that thing. And let me tell you something. It will cost you something. Don't let anyone fool you. It will cost you something. Jesus paid the price, right, for our salvation. But we are then required to do something with that price that he paid. 
So it will cost us money. It will cost us our time. It will cost us our resources. We will have to pray. We will have to fast. We will have to intercede. We will have to bear burden. It will cost us something. Don't let anyone fool you that it will be easy. It says that the burden may be heavy, but my yoke will be life. And those who sow who rest upon me will sow like on wings of eagle they will run and not grow weary they will walk and not grow faint so that means there's a running you need to do there's a walking you need to do it did not say you will do nothing but it says you will not grow weary so there is a price to be paid because jesus said occupy till i come so we need to stop saying this world is not my own i'm just passing through I am coasting until the day of my salvation. I am going on a personal retreat to go and hear the voice of God. And after hearing it, we come out and do nothing about it. It's about us, us, us. You leave a church because you say, I'm not being fed. There's nothing that annoys me more than that. What about you feed somebody with the one that you heard? So it's always about you, you, you. Then you're jumping from one church to the other because you say, I am not being fed. How little-minded, how selfish. What about the one that you had? Take it and feed another. What about that? So you say this church is not powerful because I'm no longer being fed. It's your measure of power. Jesus said occupy till I come which means it's an assignment there's something we need to be doing until the clarion call sounds he didn't say go to bed and wait until that time comes and so this morning I want us to to come to the place of Esther where she said if I perish I perish if I perish I perish if doing the things that God has called me to do will cost me everything that I have, if it will make me lose my friends, that's all right. When I started becoming more frontline in ministry, my invitations to places started reducing until it almost dried up. In fact, I had a running joke with my sister and her friends. They used to always call me. They say, ah, big sis, ah, is there anywhere what we are bored? Is there anywhere to go to? As you have invite for this thing, or and I always used to, because I had a lot of people around me that worked for brands and activation. So I used to have a lot of VIP tickets to events. Like sometimes I'll have five tickets I'm looking for who to give it to. So I always, you know, I was even if I don't want to go, I shall always had parole. It got to the place where I was the one saying, "Hey, this will take me out." I know. <laughs> and what it, what I realized then was that. Maybe there was something about my life that was bringing judgment to people around me where they could no longer sit comfortably on the table and drink two bottles of Henny. Do you understand? They'll say, ah, because Uche is there now. Or they'll say, mm, she will now come and start telling us something, laughing and telling us something about, uh, this is your breast that you're showing now. Ah, you think you're feeling sexy with yourself. And my first day, I'll say, ah, sexy girl. <laughs> and after that, I'll say, ah. But she never was me that designed this dress. I would have put one something here and one something there. I said, let me show you a picture. Let me show you a picture quick, quick, quick. I just opened my phone and showed her. I said, see, see this other version of this dress. I said, fine. They'll be like, ah, it's true. It's very fine, though. Do you understand? Subtly changing without saying to them, you are a sinner. So they stopped inviting me out to events. And guess what? I have no problem with it. <laughs> you saving my money. I don't need to do it. I don't need to do makeup. <laughs> Jokes on them. <laughs> Do you understand? So it will cost us something. 
let's get to the place where we say if I perish I perish if I lose my friends I lose them if I lose my popularity I lose it if I lose my street cred it's okay as long as I am walking in my assignment and my calling and doing exactly what God has asked me to do as long as at the end of the time God will look at me and say well done good and faithful servant as long as that will be my bragging right that see what I did for God for the kingdom of God it's okay if I perish I perish it takes courage it takes conviction it takes burden it takes a resolute determination in your heart that not on your watch would you see things going wrong and be silent for you to come to the place where you say if I perish I perish are we ready are we there I know that sometimes I'm not I'm not there in some areas I am in some areas I'm still battling I am not there yet I'm still negotiating with God God but please now if I do this one can you allow me to do this that and that okay if I do this one you can take this that and this can we get to the place where we stop negotiating with God and come out fully in our assignment responding to the call and trusting him that he will take care of all that concerns us can we dare to trust God today? And so, my final words, I want us to make some declarations and prayers to awaken to destiny. And these particular ones are not my words. I got it from um, a book that I saw. But I want us to just stand up as a church and I want us to make this declaration as we wrap up. So everyone, you just, you read, we're reading together. Okay. I will awaken from sleep and slumber. We're reading together. We're reading together. Okay, one, two, go. I will awaken from sleep and slumber. I am awakened from complacency and indifference. I am an active member in the army of the Lord. I will engage the culture with my prayers and my actions. I lose confusion into every plan and demonic conspiracy to keep me silent. I will arise and let my voice be heard. I will preach your word. I will encourage the next generation of people. I will let every dormant gift, talent, and anointing be awakened inside of me. I will let every God-given idea be awakened, activated, cultivated, and implemented for kingdom advancement. I am a man or woman filled with the Holy Spirit. I will not cower back in fear. I will lose myself from the insecurity and fear of failure. I break every religious spirit that has pushed me to the background. I shake myself free from apathy and a lack of concern. I'm not hearing you. I'm not hearing you. I will redeem the time in my life. I will not allow a lazy and slothful spirit to control my life. I will walk circumspectly, not as a foolish, silly, gullible person. I am wise and I know that the will of the Lord is for my life. The Lord will redeem all 
all the lost time and restore every wasted year. I will capitalize on every appropriate opportunity to fulfill my destiny. I am filled with the Holy Spirit. My heart is experiencing a great awakening to my purpose and my calling. I will seek and find the God who calls me. I have vision and insight into the heart and the mind of God. There is a new level of urgency and passion for purpose arising in my heart. I am significant. I lose myself from hopelessness and despondency. The Lord validates me and He has called me and anointed me for such a time as this. And I will use my life and resources to accomplish great things for the Lord. And so if that is you this morning, can you just hold your hand upon your head or your heart and you start to pray and I ask God that you release every gift, oh God, every single thing, every passion, every desire, every... Thanks for listening to this message from the Hills Church. Our mission is to love people, connect with family and touch the world. Learn more on our website at www.ecclesiahills.org or email us at hello at ecclesiahills.org.